From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, ophthalmology on its head, inversion and intraocular pressure. Even if yoga is done correctly, there are some physiological changes which may run contrary to popular thought. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Doctors Bhaskaran and Rahman declare no real or apparent conflicts of interest. Did you know that you can get every episode of As Seen From Here as soon as it comes out and without ever having to visit a website? It's called subscribing, and it's free. Each week, subscribers get As Seen From Here automatically loaded onto their iPods, MP3 players, and computers by using a program called a podcatcher. Go to asseenfromhere.com and click on the How Do I Listen button. Subscribing only takes a minute. Free podcatchers are available for Windows, Macintosh, and Linux computers. I put links to download an excellent podcatcher on the How Do I Listen page of asseenfromhere.com. Then, within hours of my podcasting an episode, you'll have it too. Inversion exercise, in which participants wear hooks on their feet and hang from these while exercising, has become increasingly popular. But there is a much older tradition in which extended headstands are performed. It's called sirshasana, and it's a type of yoga. In addition to popularity, sirshasana and inversion exercise share something else in common. Both elevate venous pressure, and since intraocular pressure is influenced by venous pressure, both raise IOP as well. But how significant is this elevation? In order to answer that question, Dr. Mani Bhaskaran and Dr. Krishna Raman looked at intraocular pressure changes associated with sirshasana, the yogic headstand position. Dr. Raman, what is sirshasana? Now, that is one of the classical yoga poses that's in vogue these days. Um, people do it for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the common reasons is to, you know, invert the brain and get the cerebral blood flow working into it and drain the venous supply in the lower part of the body so that they feel light when they come out of the pose. Um, but of course, uh, my main aim was to show people that if there is any uh, hazard by going upside down, we should be aware of it, and we should find out the physiological changes happening in the cranial structures. That's why uh, you, know, I, uh, you know, we took up this study. And personally, I've been practicing this posture for the last uh, about 35 years or so and I have not felt any side effect in my eye. And uh, this is supposed to improve the blood supply to the brain and the eyes, but initially I had done some studies with uh, ultrasonogram, and uh, I did not find any improvement, at least what we could see in the central retinal artery and uh, retinal vein, there was no uh, change, because probably it's auto-regulated. And then I did some studies on the brain, on the middle cerebral artery and the anterior and posterior cerebral artery to find if there's any change. We are working on it. In the meantime, uh, you know, I had discussed with Dr. Baskar to do this study. How long do people typically stay inverted? Well, beginners probably start with a couple of minutes or so, but then um, a minimum uh, a habitual yoga practitioner would probably do about five minutes. And it ranges up to even 15 minutes on a daily basis. On a daily basis? Yep. Let me ask this question to Dr. Bhaskaran. By what mechanism does the inverted posture raise the intraocular pressure? 
and basically by increasing the epithelial venous pressure and uh, resistance to the outflow, the intraocular pressure can uh, raise in these patients. Prior to this study, were there any reports of elevated intraocular pressure associated with an inverted posture? Yes, in, the, in this particular article in the introduction as well as in the discussion, we mentioned two case reports. One is uh, where a patient developed the subconjunctival hemorrhage and conjunctival varices when the patient had an inverted posture. This was a letter to the American Journal of Ophthalmology. And another report of an acute angle closure, which was uh, by Rice and Allen in American Journal of Ophthalmology. It's where sometime in the 70s. So those are the two uh, anecdotal reports, and they have not repeated the postures to have, you know, a re-challenge. They, they were anecdotal and they were assumed to be due to the headstand posture. Please describe the design of this study. Here, we have a previous reports of headstand posture and raising intraocular pressure, but those are normal subjects, those who are not practicing yoga that we wanted to study what's the profile of uh, intraocular pressure change in uh, yoga practitioners who are already doing this uh, sarsasana for a long period of time. And we also wanted to see whether there is any increase in the uh, incidence or prevalence of the ocular hypertensives in this group of practitioners. So the method in brief is uh, we had uh, around 50 Asian Indians and 25 Caucasians uh, practicing this sarsasana for a minimum period of a year or more from a yoga training institute in in, in Pune, India. And uh, we did a detailed ophthalmic examination without dilatation buttons, along with ocular biometry and corneal pachymetry. The intraocular pressure here was recorded with the tone of pen before, during, and at the end of the sarsasana. We did the intraocular pressure measurement immediately, that is, once the patient attains the headstand posture, and then one minute from the time of beginning, and at the end of five minutes. So we included subjects who can do it for a five-minute period, except in one patient who cannot do it, the rest of the patients did this yeah, headstand posture for five, full five minutes. And once the subject comes back to the uh, normal sitting posture, we took the intraocular pressure immediately, and all these intraocular pressure measurements we correlated with various parameters like age, axial length, anterior chamber depth, lens thickness, corneal curvature, corneal thickness, race, and the length of time for which one practices yoga. All these things we correlated and try to see whether any risk factors for glaucoma uh, is associated with uh, this raise in intraocular pressure. What were your findings with regard to intraocular pressure during the inversion posture? Uh, there was a uniform two-fold increase. That's the common thing which we found out. That is from the baseline sitting intraocular pressure, there was a uniform two-fold increase in all the subjects we studied. So that's the basic finding, which is also found in any other literature where you go and see uh, when the patient subjects have done a headstand posture. So uh, that's, that's a similar finding which we had from the previous literature also. Did the intraocular pressure increase any further over the five minutes tested? Well, there is a very minimal change only, but it was not statistically significant. So for practical purposes, we can take it uh, that the intraocular pressure remained at the same level. So the intraocular pressure doubled while the patient was inverted and then stayed pretty constant over the five minutes during which the patient maintained this posture? 
Yes, for a period of five minutes, it remained the same. Did the intraocular pressure return to baseline immediately upon the patient's returning to the sitting posture? After coming back to the sitting posture, the intraocular pressure dropped back to the baseline intraocular pressure, but it was slightly higher than the baseline intraocular pressure, and it came back to normal completely afterwards. But again, it was not statistically significant difference between baseline and the um, immediate sitting posture intraocular pressure. So again, we can take it for granted that the intraocular pressure came back to the normal level immediately after assuming uh, sitting posture back. Did any of the previous work demonstrate any sort of correlation between the degree of rise in intraocular pressure and the presence of glaucoma? No. So far, uh, no literature has correlated the various risk factors of glaucoma with the amount of raise in intraocular pressure after uh, headstand posture. This is, uh, to our knowledge, the first report on that. That too in yoga practitioners. Did any of the other factors that you measured correlate with the rise in intraocular pressure on inversion? Uh, you, you measured things like axial length and corneal thickness uh, and other factors. Did any of these correlate with the degree of intraocular pressure elevation? In our study uh, of this uh, 75 subjects, we did not find any correlation with the amount of intraocular pressure induced by the posture. However, we had a very weak and negative correlation with the axial length, but it failed to show any statistical significance. Maybe it's worth exploring more in probably myopic subjects and see whether any difference is seen. However, it's for future studies and this study, we did not find any um, correlation. So whether your initial intraocular pressure was 10 millimeters of mercury or 20 millimeters of mercury, when you were in the inverted posture, the intraocular pressure doubled? Yes. It, uh, it correlated with the baseline intraocular pressure. That's obvious. If the baseline intraocular pressure is low, the doubling, even if it happens, the final intraocular pressure is going to be lower than a patient who has a higher baseline intraocular pressure. That's obvious. Is glaucoma common among yoga practitioners? Uh, in this study, we did not find uh, increased incidence of uh, glaucoma or ocular hypertension. But in our clinical practice, when we see, again, in, in, at least in our practice where we tend to see these practitioners more often, uh, we don't come across an uh, increased incidence. But while we come across a subject who has, who isn't practicing and has glaucoma, we tend to associate with it. And that's the reason for why we have taken up this study. And the study per se may not answer that question because it's just a one-time study. And we are in a, an idea of continuing this study in the same subjects for the next five years, provided they consent for it. Now, are there yoga practitioners at especially elevated risk, let's say patients with ocular hypertension, since the intraocular pressure doubles from baseline when the patient is inverted? Yes. We had, uh, I had a few subjects, patients who are glaucoma patients who are yoga practitioners, and there also the intraocular pressure raised and it was doubled. But the problem is uh, we had only a few patients like that, and uh, we can't say for sure whether it increases more in a glaucoma patient or an ocular accident. Not just twofold, but maybe more. We can't, we can't tell that for sure. But so far, maybe I had one or two patients, and all of them had twofold increase. In the West, there are people who perform inversion exercise in which they hang from hooks on their lower extremities from bars. Do you know about this? Yes. Um, in this study, the posture which is put up as a diagram there is 
the typical posture where there is no support, they do it on mat. But we also included subjects who can who do it by leaning on the wall and also few subjects on rope. So uh, in all of them, the increase is twofold and there was no difference. It, the, the, the typical feature is once they go on headstand posture, the intractable pressure raises twofold. Doesn't matter which technique they use. What do you recommend to your own patients? To my own patients, meaning glaucoma patients that are ocular hypertensive. Okay, let's take two cases. Let's say a normal patient who has a normal intraocular pressure, no evidence of glaucoma, who engages in this inversion posture. And for the second case, let's say someone with known glaucoma or ocular hypertension, do you ask if they engage in this inversion yoga posture? Okay, uh, in the first scenario, normal normal subject who practices no glaucoma, no ocular hypertension, there's no reason for me to stop them from doing it. If they are doing it, they can continue, provided they use the proper technique, which is, of course, they have to consult their yoga trainer. The second scenario of ocular hypertensive and uh, glaucoma patients, uh, I would suggest them to refrain from doing because as of now, we don't have solid evidence to say that uh, the raise in intraocular pressure is not going to harm them more. So uh, I would suggest them to refrain from going for the sirshasana alone. They can practice any other form of asana, but not sirshasana or the headstand posture. As far as subjects who are older and normal, again, I think it is a matter of choice for the patient as of now because we do not know whether age contributes to glaucoma if they are practicing headstand posture. Because in our study, we did not find any correlation with the age. So again, uh, I would leave it to the choice of the subject to go ahead with the headstand posture. I would refrain subjects who are ocular hypertensive or glaucoma patients from doing this rishasana. The rest of them can do. Dr. Baskaran, is there anything that you'd like to add at this point? Okay, um, as far as a few literature thing is con- concerned, uh, there is a condition called primary generalized chronic autonomic failure. Uh, in those subjects, it seems that the intraocular pressure uh, shows a larger rise, which means that when they go on inverted posture, the intraocular pressure raises more than normal subjects, which means maybe it's more than twofold. So that's something which is interesting because uh, we can find such, situa- uh, find such situations in some other subjects also, not just the primary generalized chronic autonomic failure. Probably we did not come across it yet. And when we analyze the whole 75 subjects together, we may miss out on these outliers. And probably that is something of interest which we need to know because there are few individuals who are at a higher risk of having more raise in intraocular pressure and thereby a higher risk for glaucoma. So at the end of our discussion, uh, we have suggested subjects who are more than 50. If they are trying to practice yoga, especially the sarsasana or the headstand posture, to have a complete ocular examination. And then they can take the advice of their own ophthalmologist to decide whether they will go on this headstand posture or not. Otherwise, an angular subject who wants to practice headstand posture may not routinely go for an ocular examination before going for a sarsasana. If he does it, well and good. Uh, but it's not mandatory, uh, screening is not necessary before doing a sarsasana. That's the message from this study. Dr. Rahman, in addition to patients with glaucoma, are there any patients with any other sort of medical condition whom you would ask to avoid 
this sort of inversion posture? Yeah, definitely. People who have orthopedic problems like uh, cervical spondylitis or uh, uh, brachial neuralgia or if they have a coronary problem, any kind of systemic problem or an orthopedic problem or a musculoskeletal problem, I would screen them first and then put them on the poses. Of course, this pose can be modified, they can be made better, and then they can come to the pose. But they should not primarily tackle it. Dr. Raman, do you have any additional comments that you'd like to make? Yes, initially, most of the yoga schools who practice headstand, uh, at least in the style that I do, they were under the impression that if the headstand posture was done correctly, the eye pressure did not increase. But uh, I'm glad we did this study, which disproves a popular myth that it does increase. That's something that's very important for uh, uh, you know, people to understand that, uh, uh, you know, even if yoga is done correctly, there are some physiological changes which may run contrary to popular thought. Dr. Raman, thank you very much. Thank you. And Dr. Baskaran, thank you very much for appearing on a scene from here. Thank you. Thank you very much for allowing me to participate in this. Mani Baskaran is a consultant in the glaucoma service of the Medical and Vision Research Foundation of the unit of the Shankara Nethraya in Chennai, India. Krishna Raman is an internal medicine physician who incorporates yoga into his practice in Chennai, India. Their paper, Intraocular Pressure Changes and Ocular Biometry During Sirshasana Headstand Position in Yoga Practitioners, appears in the August 2006 issue of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Baskaran, Dr. Rahman, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275. Or Skype, J Young MD. Those numbers can be found on our website, as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.